Brad Perry, Chief Executive Officer of Grain Producers SA. Uh, welcome to a special podcast uh, for GPSA on sustainability. G'day, Darren Anke here again, uh, talking about Grain Producers of South Australia's Sustainability Survey and talking to Skeet Lawson from Pinaroo Farms um, about their sustainability journey. But first of all, Skeet, can you start by telling us the story of your sprouted grains and flour? Yeah, g'day, Darren, and uh, g'day, listeners of uh, GPSA. Um, really, our story started with in 18 and 19 with um, some pretty um, poor seasons, either with drought or drought and frost, um, which sort of decimated our um, lentil crop. First off, so um, our lentils were uh, chipped through the header just because we didn't have enough volume going through there. Um, and they weren't um, acceptable as a visual specification with defective grain from the big players. Um, so we were left with a perfectly good grain that we couldn't use or we couldn't sell. Um, this happened 18 to 19, and I guess we had to change something um if this was going to be a something you're growing lentils in the mallee so we decided skeet you'd had a couple of uh weather affected years is that right yeah yeah Yeah. 18 and 19 um were yeah really bad um some of our crops in 19 were like 100 percent wipeout um like the temperature got down to minus seven um yeah just yeah decimated the crops um yeah so we really um you know, had a bit of fire in the belly about, um, you know, changing the ways that we were doing our process. And we were on our way down to our accountant one day, driving down the uh, the highway, and we were wondering why, how are we going to make our lentils um, you know, more attractive and then different market? And we realised that we know that we, we send so many lentils over to India and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, and why aren't Australians eating this you know, great food. We grow wheat for bread, you know, barley for beer, and our lentils go straight down the semaphore and get you know turfed out onto a shipping container. So we milled. We decided, why don't we, um, you know, try and we mill our lentils and make it into a flour to make it a bit more versatile because lentils are just traditionally hard. You've got to soak them to um, to use them unless they're just so hard in their seed coating. So we, um, yeah, we decided to, to mill it and get it uh, nutritionally analysed that, you know, it's 25% protein. Um, and then we, uh, Philippa, my wife, um, she came into uh, the Farmers to Founders, um, one of their um, acceleration groups, and they actually uh, made us study and find out if this is actually going to be a market it could be a great idea but are people going to and uh, pay money for lentil flour and then after uh, of that of uh, trying it seeing our process and you know a cost-effective way to make that happen um, then we decided we could start sprouting our lentils because our the digestibility of lentils was some of the pain points that were coming back from our flour and so then we uh, yeah started sprouting our lentils. Do you, a, do you sprout them and then make them into flour, or do you sprout yes. them and okay? Yeah. So we sprout them, we dry them, and then we make them into, and then we get them milled. 
And then we decided, well, we do wheat, barley and lentils on our um, property. So we decided to do our wheat as well. And um, using that as a, as a bread sort of um, you know, high protein bread wheat. And that's better for people that are gluten sensitive. Is that, is that right? Totally. It takes down that phytic acid, which actually stops your, digest, your digestive tract absorbing all the good um, nutrients in there. And it actually, yeah, lets, you know, people that are gluten sensitive actually can, or have spoken to us about how they can actually eat bread again. And where can I buy this? Uh, so in you can buy it on an online shop if you're interstate, but if you're in South Australia, we're in about 40 Foodland and Romeo's supermarkets. So we're all in the independence there. If you go to our website, pinnerufarms.com.au, there's a whole big list there. There's also a list of uh, recipes um, and guides of how to use it, the, lentil, the sprouted lentil and the sprouted wheat on how to yeah, use it because... Using lentil flour, the, I guess another pain point was how do I use that? Okay, but you know you can use it in cakes, you can um, you can use it in thickening sauces, you can use it to crumb your fish or crumb your steaks. Well, rissoles, um, like it's a real alternative to, and the meat and livestock people won't like this. It's a great alternative for people who are, I guess our main customers are early to middle-aged women who don't want to eat three serves of red meat every week and can't digest that, the affordability of that, but would like 25% of their protein for the day to be in a slice or a cake or to be in some pasta or, you know, some fish. Um, it's just that versatility of it that really is something that we're you know, quite amazed how good and um, how beneficial it is for the uh, the stomach yes yeah, so right on trend with the plant-based protein fascinating as that is and it is absolutely fascinating um, we're here to talk about sustainability um, we have already gone so far off the questions that we uh, spoke about yeah but can you tell us about the sustainability journey on Pinaroo farms well um so i grew up in adelaide I was um, a maintenance engineer on the P3 Orions in the Air Force for 13 years. Did plenty of flying and plenty of maintaining and, um, yeah, just love that aspect of it. Uh, Philippa, she's a school teacher. We both met in Adelaide. And um, after a few years, we've decided to come back to her family farm. Um, her mum passed away in 2013. Her two brothers had actually been back on the farm previously to try out to see if they wanted to stay. Um, one's a mining engineer, the other one's a builder in Adelaide. Um, they had different career paths that they wanted to do. I really loved the aspect of the farm and I loved the engineering side of it. And I loved the way that I could try and actually make our soils and our um, our farming techniques a lot more efficient and productivity um, with increasing productivity. So I learned a lot off the Air Force um, and I learned a lot of the way and their processes and their efficiencies. And I could see how I could try and change that onto this farm. Philip is dad, he's 74 now, able-bodied, you know, semi-retired, but he's going off and doing his own things. But I could really see that 
there's another way that we could benefit you know and that was a personal challenge for me i really want to try and get the best out of the land that we have so where did you start um john was always he's always been on the front foot and looking at new technologies and really implementing that stuff um i guess in in the early 2000s he really got tired of of um of the droughts so in 2002 i think he started uh, no-till um farming and the practices of that um just you know, i guess he was so tired of seeing the um his topsoil being drifted away and you know and that was a common practice you know in those those years um yeah so to bring in no-till farming is you know the big implement that started there um and now we really we do we're, we're involved with yield profit we do soil tests we do tissue testing of our um of our plants um we're really looking at what our you know crop cover trying not to bear off the ground and soil amelioration is one of those uh, parts that we're doing uh, we've tried some ripping and we did that in 18 and 19 which is probably the, the worst time to do it because it was so dry we're sort of seeing some effects now but it yeah really made the the germination of the, the preceding crops very difficult for it um, and that's lessons that we've learnt. Um, we've also tried some plaza ploughing, and our issues is probably sand over clay, and we're trying to bring those soils back into um, like really nice, productive lentil country, um, which that's starting to happen. Uh, but we really, yeah, soil conservation, and I guess knowing the numbers and measuring ourselves on that in our paddocks. So we measure um, three paddocks a year, um, not just with our soil testing, but we go right over our wheat, our barley and our lentils. And we say, this is, you know, how much moisture is there? How much NP and how, you know, do we, how much do we have to feed it and overfeed it? And I guess a thing with being sustainable in, on the land and for your soil also has to come back to being financially sustainable because there's no use pushing all these inputs of chicken manure or pig manure or synthetic fertilizers if it doesn't need it. So, I mean, one of the things that interests me about zero, zero till, um, and I, I did research on this way back in the, in the early days when I was uh, a practicing agricultural engineer, the spray requirements for it back then were relatively high. How do you deal with the spraying as part of your environmental program? I'd try not to use fungicides and insecticides. I would like the ecology of the plants and the actual and the environment to try and look after itself. And I guess the way that I can do that or that we can do that on our farm is that we've actually put some seed coatings on the actual seeds before they got planted. We can have a healthy plant from the, the time it starts. That's going to be a, a, a benefit to us because the only time that we sort of see diseases and insect infestations are on the sick and sort of poorer plants. So if we can make them have a, a, a great start, like you would do tomatoes at home, that's the way that we're doing that. So this year we've started with um, using like some kelp based products, um, some zinc um, and really trying to get that honing in and you know coating that seed and, and it's well coated so it can actually go out there and you know have its best chance i guess you know we we use our farmers 
like a great big veggie patch that you would at home and we give it that love and care that we that it deserves um but i guess you know like coming back to the other question where with the insects infestation like we we go out there we monitor it and we see how far you know insects are um we also have our agronomists who we're also in contact with constantly there's moths there's ladybugs there's spiders and that and you know we come up to a threshold where we can say righto we're actually we don't need to do that we don't need you know and you come back in a you know five ten days time and you know the the pressure's most of the time been taken off. So you obviously care a lot about the sustainability. Um, Do any of your customers care about it? Or is it something that makes a difference in where you're selling product? You know, like uh, Viterra, AWB, they're starting to bring, you know, um, uh, a, you know, there's a benefit there, you know, for sustainable barley and that sort of stuff. But I guess our real point of difference is that our customers through our sprouted grains really uh looking at you know where it comes from how it's how, what's how it's made what our practices are um they're the ones that are driving the research or not the research but their inquisitiveness and we love telling them we've got nothing to hide um and we love sharing you know our stories of you know this is what we've got you know we've got some um cow pee open you know but you know this is how they are and this is what they look like and but we really want to show people that you know farmers are really there you know as stewards of the land what's has that been changing across the region since you've been out there is it I've been, we've, we've been back for eight years yeah um so i really think you know a lot of yeah there's a lot more there's a, a lot more data being measured now and there's a lot better practices rather than just going out and you know someone going out with a an insecticide for the sake of going out for an insecticide. If you spend an hour or two and actually go and have a look before you go, you know, to to spray, if you've got to do that, you can really, you know, do do I need to spend that money? And there's that sustainability and financially sustainable coming back there as well. Why do I have to spend six bucks a hectare when I don't have to? And over a big program, which most people have got now, um, like we're only 4,000 acres, you know, we're not 20,000 acres or, you know, where those $6 a hectare does make a big difference. And for us, it makes a big difference. Skeet, is there something um, in conclusion that you'd say to other farmers who are just starting out on their sustainability journey? Uh, write down what you, what you want to do. Have a look at what your goals are. Have a look who you think is a good person, good company, who you sort of, you know, think about and you idolise, you're like, well, they're actually a good operator. Ask them a question. People are always ready to give information. It might be good information, it might be poor information, but you really need to, yeah, hone in, ask those questions, write down your goals and what you want to get out of it and actually measure it. Spend the money, right out with soil testing, with tissue testing. It's a pain in the bum. I don't want to go grab bags of leaves and send them off and express post them and get them done but it's a thing you've got to do if you don't do it you're sort of missing out on you you know on plant health and you know looking after the land so. yeah. skeet thanks a lot for your time no, we have dragged no. you away from uh from looking after uh crops that have received a little bit much moisture the last few days thank you very much darren
Thanks very much, listeners. Thanks a lot, Skate. Cheers. See ya. Brad Perry here again. Uh, when you get the sustainability survey from us, make sure you fill it out. Thanks for listening.